0: Love,
1: talk, radio. Hello, this is Rich Lee from St. Bonaventure University, and welcome to a podcast with featuring students from uh, the Journalist Workshop course that we teach who are staffing the Tap into Greater OLEAN website. I'm joined today by Jackson Drapp, Katie Faulkner, Jeff Faselt, and Lauren Zazara, and we're going to have a discussion um, about the state of journalism, past, present, and future, which was kind of prompted by some articles we read this week. One was um both the New York Times articles. One was about the twentieth anniversary. It's been twenty years since the Times went online, which is something that's, you know, we kinda take as a given now, but uh, the article talked about some of the risks and gambles that the Times felt it was taking back then. And the other article um is an interview that the public editor Margaret Sullivan did with Dean Beckett, the executive editor of the Times, where he talked about what he foresees as the biggest stories of 2016 and kind of where journalism is headed after that. So, uh, since we're in a journalism class, part of the whole you know media landscape, thought it would be good to spend a little time on unpacking those items. And in terms of what the biggest stories of 2016 are, um, Dean Beckett, you know, said it's going to be biggest domestic story is going to be the presidential election. Biggest international story is going to be the continuing tension in the Middle East. And the biggest overall story is going to be climate change. And um, when we you know, went over this in class, you know, most of the students seem to be in general agreement with that. It's hard to argue that those are going to be big stories. But it was kind of interesting, like, Jackson, when, um, you know, you were asked that question, you know, you felt that it was not going to be the biggest story, domestic story, was not going to be the presidential race. It was going to be a financial one, something, you know, within the New York Stock Exchange. Can you kind of explain why you um, think that's going to dwarf the presidential election in terms of, you know, uh, domestic stories this year?
0: Yeah, sure. So I mean, in this business, I think the most important thing is finding what story you think your readers are going to be most interested in. And I think all readers have some interest or most of their mind interest is invested in money. And honestly, on the presidential um, election scale, too, they're focusing a lot of their what they're going to make better about the country on the New York Stock Exchange and Wall Street. So I think that a lot of News stories are going to be running through um, the New York Stock Exchange and the United States money wealth as a whole. So I think it'll be interesting to see uh, how the New York Stock Exchange performs this year, to see what kind of stories we're seeing. If it's about another stock crash or if we have a big boom, because I mean we're the the world's best um, economy. So I think that it'll be interesting to see how the New York Stock Exchange performs this coming up uh, year.
1: Yeah, I mean it is true. I mean, as someone who's covered politics and worked in politics a number of years, it often comes down to economic pocketbook issues. You know, we're spending a lot of time now, you know, talking about ISIS, detention in the Mid East and stuff, but when people, you know, look at who they're gonna vote for, I think that they really think of, you know, what's what's in it for me? Like how how am I gonna be better off financially if this person is in office or, or, or candidate A or candidate B. Um the second um item on this list is uh, the you know biggest international story, which I just alluded to was detention in the mid east and everyone more or less agreed with that, although you know some of you said it would be um things a bit more specific like like possibly the refugee situation and items like that. But I want to go on to the third which was, you know, climate change. And I think we all agreed it would be a big story, but um, you know, Lauren, you seem to think that even though it's an important story, it's not gonna be the one that's gonna get um the attention. Yeah. You know, what do you think is gonna get the attention in place of climate change?
2: Well as much as I think that climate change is a really important issue and something that should be covered a lot more than it is, I feel like a lot of politicians kind of deny the fact that climate change is happening and I don't think it gets the budget money or the coverage that it deserves. But I noticed that in 2015, um, across the world, there were um, gaining momentum for equality for women, for um, racial equality, and for the LGBTQ community. And I feel like that's going to be something that continues to gain momentum in 2016. And I feel like most of the world is struggling with inequality in some form of way, whether it's through sexism or um, homophobia or, or racial discrimination. So I feel like that's probably going to be something that gets more coverage internationally than climate change
3: does.
1: Okay, yeah, it kind of goes back to some of the points that Jackson was making, that as important a story as climate change is, you know, in our business, we have to do stories that people are interested in. And, you know, climate change, people know it's important, but sometimes the stories, you know, don't, you know, resonate. They they don't draw attract as many eyeballs to websites as some of the items that, that you um, talked about. Um Katie and Jeff, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts, you know, as young people and you know, what we often hear that, you know, young people feel a little disconnected from the news. You know, these, you know, the items we've talked about obviously are big ones, but do you think there's anything missing? Like, like, Katie, if you had to add something to the list, what would you like to see the media do more coverage of mm-hmm. in 2016?
4: Um, I would say right now, like, a huge issue that isn't getting as much coverage as it should is the water crisis that's, um, going on in Flint, Michigan, um, we rarely see that covered, and I think it's a huge issue, and I haven't really seen it on the news. I see stories every once in a while, um, but it's usually somehow related to, like, celebrities and, like, the things that they're doing to help out, and I just think that, um, it deserves a lot more media coverage than it's getting right now, and I think that, um, Like, as it goes on, it's just going to, like, it's going to, like, unravel, and a lot more issues are going to come from it, and it's going to be, like, the poverty issue that's going on in our country right now. I think it's, like, really overlooked, and I think it deserves more media coverage as well, so possibly that.
1: Okay, yeah, and in fact, in um, one of the things I read about last night's Republican debate, you know, some folks were, were saying, you know, there wasn't, I hadn't watched the debate, but some people said there wasn't a single question or certainly not enough, you know, talking about that that issue, which is a really important domestic issue. And, and your other point about it, not receiving a lot of coverage, it's getting some you know, coverage now, but that's the sort of story that, you know, maybe journalists should have been working on earlier to uncover it, you know, before the whole thing exploded, you know, the way that it did. But, um, Jeff, what about you? If you had to add something to this list, you know, what would you like to see the media cover in 2016?
3: Yeah, well, I thought Lauren made some good points about uh, the overall, the entire world uh, stories and being inequality, um, whether it be gender or race uh, in the workplace. Um, I think that's a really big issue, and I don't think it gets as much news coverage as people really think. Or, um and I know there's a you know there's a case going back uh, to the Supreme Court affirmative action case and. I think that could be, I think there could
1: be quite a few news stories about that this year. Definitely. Yeah, and one of the things about our business, you know, we never know. You know, the biggest story of 2016 might be something that hasn't even happened yet that we don't know about. Um, let's yeah. um, shift, shift gears a bit and you know talk about the way news is delivered because that was a, another point that uh, Dean Baquet made in his interview that more and more of the times and all news organizations when there, when there's a story has to not only think about you know, what they're covering and why they're covering it, but how they're going to present it because we have all different platforms. You know, things, more and more people are reading news on, on their phones. You know, now you can use video, you can have interactive features. So um, I, I asked everyone to take a look at, you know, what we're doing on the TAP site, which, you know, so far there's a lot of good stuff there, but, you know, it's mostly text, pictures, um, and, and to think at, you know, look at some of the stories we've done and, and to kind of think about how we might have incorporated, you know, some other platforms into it. And, you know, uh, Lauren, um, you did. Uh, you and Sarah uh, did a real interesting story on the First Amendment. You know, tracking down a lot of our Bonaventure alumni who were working as journalists, and, and you, you had some ideas. I know we did that rather quickly when the semester began, but um, you had some thoughts on you know some things which may have made that story a bit more inviting. Can you share those with us?
2: Um, I think it would have been a lot more effective if instead of writing down the quotes and having just a headshot if we had been able to take video or just audio of each of the alumni talking about the First Amendment, because I feel like if we had been able to see them talking and been able to see clips of them at work, it would have made the story more interactive, and readers would have been able to really see how passionate our journalism alumni are about the First Amendment and how it affects their careers. And I feel like you would get more out of that than just kind of reading what they're saying. You can't really see how they actually feel about the First Amendment through just words on a page.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, point. and we're always you know trying to balance the, the the need to do things like that, and then the need to get stuff you know posted and out there quickly, which is kind of also on our first day. You know, we did a story um, about the showing of the movie you know Selma here, and um, you know Leanne did a, a real nice story getting reaction from that. Um, but again, kind of looking back at that, you know, Jeff, you had some thoughts about you know what what you know we could have done to maybe you know again make that a bit more inviting.
3: Yeah, I think uh, like the New York Times has a great smartphone app right now, and uh, a lot of videos and interactive features. That that's kind of hard to do at, at our level. I think the interactive features.
1: I don't completely understand
3: that, but at least video, um, I think, can always add to the story. And on that story, I think it especially could have, uh, you know, help, you know, help whoever the audience is.
1: Yeah, I know. You even talked about maybe interspersing scenes from the movie with scenes from, you know, the the students at, at the the Walsh Amphitheater. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, Jackson and Katie, you're, you're working on stories, so you're going to have the you know we have a little bit more time than we did now than we did at the start of the semester. So you know, Jackson, you want to talk about the story you know you're covering, and I know you suggested some ways you may be able to you know incorporate you know some other media platforms into that story.
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, up at St. Bobbinger, we're having an African-American, African-American Heritage Weekend coming up. So I'm covering that story, and I'm going to be summarizing uh, the events that are going to be going on. And I think the most important way that I can make my story more out there for in the open for people that maybe don't go to St. Bobbinger or are part of the community but wouldn't see it otherwise is to get it through social media. I mean, Instagram, Twitter, um, you can tag your story and put a picture up with it and people can click on it if they seem interested and then that way you get your story circulating around the the web more. I mean, if you're big on social media nowadays, it seems like you're going to be big in whatever company you're running. So I think social media is definitely the ticket into a successful story now.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And I would you know, certainly encourage you, you know, to incorporate some of those things into that story as I said, since you know, we have time and I believe that's a community event, not strictly a Saint Bonaventure event. When um Della Moore was here from the African American Center for Cultural Development, she talked about um a number of those events. Um Katie, I know you're heading out to the Salamanca Senior Center to mm-hmm. you know, with story which was prompted by a grant they got for a new roof, but it's turning into something a bit more than that. Um you know, how how do you plan to incorporate Incorporate some of these new media platforms, you know, into, you know, your coverage of Salamanca?
4: Um, I think definitely, like, what Jack just said, um, sharing it on social media is huge nowadays. And um, maybe since it's kind of like an older crowd, um, like using Facebook might be a good tool for that. And um, what the story is turning into is kind of more just how the center... Um, runs and all those kinds of things. So um, basically it would be, like, good publicity for the center as well. And um, I think, like, the use of pictures is going to be good too. Um, No one really knows, like, what it looks like in there or um, anything like that. And also, like, the condition of the roof. So I think incorporating pictures um, will really help them out and, like, sharing those pictures online and on social media as well.
1: Yeah, those are all great ideas. And something that, that I wanted to mention and you know, Jackson uh, mentioned it, um, you know, um in when we were talking about it in class earlier this week is um to build some excitement about your story. I mean, you know, social media is great to tell people what's happening, but, you know, today journalists often, before they go out and do the story, will, you know, tweet, you know, put things on Instagram, whatever, so, you know, to kind of build an audience so people know what to expect. And, you know, we're doing, we're covering Congressman Reed's, you know, town hall meeting in Hinsdale tomorrow. So I think, you know, we had an advanced story. It was probably not a bad idea, you know, to tweet, you know, today that we're going to be out there covering it and things like that. So um, let me ask. Um, you know, we have you know a few minutes left, and I just want to kind of go around to the four of you. And since we've been talking about you know journalism, you know, you know, kind of where the industry is headed, um, get your thoughts on you know where you know this course and, and types of courses like this, which as you, you know are a trend throughout the nation, where you know college journalism departments and schools more and more. Are creating courses where students don't just report in the classroom; they go out, they cover the communities, and gives them experience, and it kind of fills a gap in, you know, in what's you know not being covered out in the community. Um, so, you know, looking forward, as someone who's studying journalism, going to be out in the workforce now, I'd like you know each of you to you know share your thoughts on you know how you see a course like this fitting into the future media landscape. So, uh, let's see. We'll um, start with you, Jeff.
3: Yeah. Well, I think that. You know even though a lot of students today in college are who are journalism majors are doing you know a school newspaper or an online newspaper or something like that when it's when it's actually part of a class and integ- integrated into a class I, I think it forces you you know to really uh you know really learn about it and um participate you know more than you might if you're just doing it on your own so
1: yeah i mean that's yeah, you know, certainly one of the goals. So, um, you know, Jackson, what are your thoughts? Um,
0: yeah, so I think, wait, if I'm sorry, can you repeat the question?
1: Um, you know, just you know, basically, you know, how courses like this, where students get real life experience, how that fits into you know the future of journalism.
0: Oh, sure, sure. So, um, I think that this course is really good for the future of journalism because it's online. I think that's a big deal because. Whether people like to see it or not, I think that the journalism world is starting to shift more of an online platform, and with this course being on TAP into, I think it's good that it's an online course because I think it's preparing us for, if we do go into the journalism field, which is what I think a lot of us are planning to do, it'll be the same type of atmosphere that we might be seeing out in the actual uh, work field.
1: Yeah, you're actually, I guess, part of the TAP network, you're doing the same things that you know, there's there's actual tap sites. You know, most of them throughout New Jersey. That you know, our site is really no different from any of these other professionally run sites, and we do try to run it professionally. You know, Katie, your your thoughts on how what you're doing, you know, today kind of fits into maybe your future journalism's future?
4: Um, yeah, I agree with what um, they both just said. It kind of like forces you um, to do things that you might not do on your own, but. Um, I also think it's good that we're kind of like forced to contact people because I think that like at our age, it's something that we don't like to do. Like we don't like to reach out to people and call people and talk to people that we've never met before. And I think that's like it's good to learn how to have those skills and how to do that.
1: Yeah, that's you know uh, you know that, that's a good point. I, I know it's. It's tough to learn that, and this gives your students an opportunity to kind of get over that step to learn that while you're still a student so that, you know, you're not doing that or, you know, trying to do that when you're, you know, on a job in your first job. So, um, Lauren, you get to wrap things up. So I I don't know if everyone has said the things you were going to say, but if you could just, you know, give your thoughts on, you know, how, um, you know, what are known as experiential learning courses like this fit into uh, the future of journalism.
2: Well, going off of what Jackson said, I feel like it's really important that what we post is online because I feel like a big part of journalism now and in the future is going to be social media and the fact that we have our stories online, we can share them on Facebook, we can share them on Twitter, they get retweeted, they get shared. That makes um, so many people able to view what we see and people outside of the bottom bubble and even outside of the greater Olean area. And I feel like it's really important for us to be able to get our work out there. And social media is the best way to do that. And so having the stories online allows us to be able to do that. And I think that that's really important and something that's going to be a skill set when we go into the workforce.
1: Yeah, and again, I mean, having it online, being part of this professional, you know, you know, big larger organization, when somebody, you know, clicks on a tap, integrate, or only in story, you know, they don't make the distinction that that's, you know, part of a course It's just, you're out there just the way everyone else is out there. So um, on that note, I want to thank everybody for sharing your thoughts and insights. It's been a great conversation. So, um, you know, Lauren Zazara, Jeff Fazel, Katie Faulkner, Jackson Drapp, you know, thanks for um, taking part in our podcast today. Uh, Folks who are listening, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next Friday at 9 a.m. My name is Rich Lee, a journalism professor at St. Bonaventure University. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.